Squid Game seems to be taking the world by storm this past month, and I think that that's great. I am thrilled to see all these new folks being brought into the fold of the death game genre which is my personal bread and butter. If you don't know this about me, it's like my favorite thing of all time. But I do have two issues with this show. Well, probably more, but at least two I'm gonna name right now. Number one, these stupid cookies are impossible to make. This was this was attempt number five, friends, and 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 I don't even know what's going on here. I started with a circle. I tried to turn it into a C. This is the closest it's gonna get. I'm really sorry. I tried, okay, I tried. And my second problem is, is couldn't we just have had like a regular Christian to show the other end of the spectrum and how even we would find the Christian pastor annoying? Either way, whatever. In this nerdy sermon, we're gonna take a look at Squid Game and we're also gonna look at how Jesus actually kind of wrote this story before it was trending on the Netflix homepage, only he wrote it just a little bit better because, I mean, he's Jesus. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and Dalgona. I am your nerd pastor, Nate. If you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub and hit that bell to find out when our next one drops. Folks, we are going to be starting with our scripture as always. This time we're reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV. That's my preferred translation. It's what's going to be on the screen. If you have a translation that you prefer, feel free to use that instead. For the kingdom of God is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. About five o'clock he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, hey, these last worked only one hour. You've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So if you have somehow lived under a rock for these past few weeks, what is Squid Game? Well, Squid Game is a South Korean survival drama television series streaming currently on Netflix. The series centers on a contest where 456 players drawn from different walks of life, but each deeply in debt, play a set of children's games with deadly consequences for losing, all for the chance to win a grand total of 45.6 billion prize money won. But by the way, that's about 38 million and 150,038 cents in the U.S. dollar. Each life lost being added to the pot adds 100 million won, or about 83,000 bucks. The story follows the main protagonist, Song Gi-hung, a divorced and indebted chauffeur as he is invited to play in the Squid Game. He is taken to an unknown location and finds himself among 455 other players, again, all of these people in a similar debtor situation as he is. The players are then kept under harsh watch at all times by these masked guards in these pink suits, with all of the games being overseen by the front man. Much to his surprise, he meets people that he knows in this game, which would seem to imply that the pool being drawn from is probably 
fairly localized. Young also makes friends and gathers together this ragtag group of people. What is this? Some kind of suicide squad. He also meets and befriends the gullible and innocent Ali Abdul, who is a Pakistani foreign worker trying to support his family. Kong Sebyuk, the northern defector trying to help the rest of her family flee and rescue her little brother. And then, of course, there's O.L. Nam, the mysterious old man with Deus Ex Dementia Tumor. The show then follows this main cast and some wacky supporting characters as they try their best to survive a series of childish games like Red Light, Green Light, Hopscotch, but super high up, Tug of War, and the ever-popular childhood game of Eating Cookie. There are quite a few themes to pick up on in this story, and despite a myriad of plot holes and truly abysmal subtitle writing, this show has picked up in a big way. For this video, I want to pick up on the actual motives of the bad guys themselves. We don't get many answers on who the VIPs are, why the frontman is who it is, or pretty much anything about the people running this game, which is, in my opinion, as a professional zero-sum game enthusiast, the biggest flaw in this story. The villains are what makes them interesting, but... Is fine. But what we do get to know is why the people in charge did what they did, or at least sort of, sort of we get the answer. In an effort to spoil as little as possible, I'm going to be super vague here because complaints aside, you really should go and watch this show. At the end of the season, our protagonist actually does learn the true motive behind the game. The person in charge of the game believes that money has perverted the way that life is lived. With the power that comes from money, some folks will never be able to rise out of their status and the rich have little to worry about at all. So, this game finds people who are at the bottom of the financial caste system, and it gives them the ability to play by the same rules as schoolchildren, to rise to the top of the financial market with that huge sum of prize money. But if that's the motive, then why are the VIPs needed? And why is it televised? Whatever. I'm going to stop criticizing it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, the motive is rooted in the idea that the Squid Game would allow for the caste system of South Korea to be broken to pieces by creating a different culture within the microcosm that is the Squid Game. Now, if you're a Christian, this should sound pretty familiar, right? The last shall be first, the first shall be last. That's a Jesus thing in a way, but not really, right? If we just stop Jesus with the idea that the last are being pushed to the front of the line, that doesn't really uh, get to the point, does it? Let's look to our scripture for a little bit more clarity on how these two ideas might relate. Our scripture for today is one of the parables of Jesus as told by the gospel writer of Matthew. Jesus starts this one with one of his effervescent phrases, for the kingdom of God is like dot, dot, dot. Normally, when Jesus does this, he isn't referring to a literal place, but a place of being or existing. The kingdom of God is what occurs across time and space in a way that is beyond our human understanding. So Jesus is saying that this is what it is like to dwell in the kingdom of God, not this is what heaven will be like when we die and get angel wings and flip-flap away. Not, not how it works. Enough about that. What's the actual parable? say. Well, we have this dudeski who owns a vineyard, and he's contracting out some labor from the town square. He goes at 6 a.m. in the morning and hires the first shift peeps and tells them he is going to pay them the full day's wage. Then he goes back out at 9 a.m. and hires even more people. He does the same at noon and at 3 p.m., and finally he does it one final time at 5 p.m. After hiring what would sensibly be everyone and their brother in town, the vineyard owner calls everyone back to the registrar and starts to divvy out payments. He starts with the 5 o'clock peeps and gives them their full daily wage, even though they only worked like an hour. At that, the 6 a.m. folks get pretty jazzed. Oh man, if they get full pay, imagine how much more we'll be getting. But then it comes to their turn and lo and behold, they get the day's wage they were promised at the outset. The 6 a.m. shift does the completely logical thing and begins to throw a fit. Look, we've been working all day long in the scorching heat and you're giving us the same thing that you're giving the people who only worked for like an hour? 
It's not fair. The vineyard owner responds and is basically like, look, I gave you what I owed you and what we promised. This is my cold hard cash to do what I want with. Who are you to tell me who I can give a wage to and how much I should give? And then we hear the infamous phrase, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So, whoa, right? What is Jesus even doing here? Is he trying to give us a financial lesson or, or maybe teach economics or getting downright political? Well, Maybe, but not really, right? As Jesus and the vineyard owner make abundantly clear, it's not about the money. It has nothing to do with how much they are paid. For the owner, the number never changes. It's static and unimportant. So what does change? Well, the hours worked. So is this a works-based gospel thing then? Is Jesus just leaning into the Mary Martha ethic of work thing here? Or should we just not even bother doing much work? Should we do less work and become Christians at the last second before we die? No, that's, that's not what Jesus is saying at all either. Remember when I mentioned that the kingdom of God isn't about time. It isn't referring to just heaven. It transcends our understanding of time and space. If it were about how the time worked, then surely the owner would have made a bigger deal about the hours being worked. He would have rewarded the 6 a.m. shift a little bit. Other parables show hard workers getting rewarded more than the others, like the parable of the talents. So, so what is going on here? What is Jesus trying to do with this parable? Well, a lot of things. But one of the bigger elements of the story lies in the crying phrase of the 6 a.m. workers at the end. Jesus, this isn't fair. Was it fair? What is fairness? Who got the better end of the deal here? That doesn't matter. Fairness in the kingdom of God isn't about a spectrum. One doesn't get more or less fair. It's an equal shake. Fairness in the kingdom of God is known as grace, and it's available to everyone, everywhere, every time. That and that alone is what matters. That is fairness. When the vineyard owner goes up to the 5 p.m. worker and they say they're still in the marketplace because no one will hire them, he does and sends them to work for that one hour, not because it's right or good or generous, but because it's fair. The vineyard owner, just like the runners of the Squid Game, see that everyone deserves the opportunity for fairness. The difference between the Squid Game runners and the vineyard owner is that the Squid Game runners are just like those 6 a.m. workers. They see that everyone deserves a chance at the fair shake in life, but they also see it as a zero-sum game. The only way for someone to win the Squid Game is to rise above the ranks and come out on top after having murdered the others along the way. Well, friends, that's no different than the capitalist rat race that everyone else is running. The error of the Squid Game is that it's just as broken as the financial system it's trying to disrupt. You cannot dismantle a system with the exact same system in a different coat of paint. Jesus and the parable that he offers make no sense. And that's why they make sense. The reason behind this transcendent logic is because they don't follow the rules of this zero-sum game. They don't follow our human understanding. No one loses. And that's the game. Imagine if the trick of the squid game was that no one actually died when they lost. They just appeared to die. And then they all walked away with the full $38 million after the game was over. Now that would totally change things. They would still have the PTSD. Sure, it's not, it's not great. But... That would disrupt the system that the runners are wanting to disrupt. If everyone wins, that is not fair to the common sense of the worker. It's not fair to the one who made it to that final spot and won the game. If everyone was just a millionaire all of a sudden, it's going to inflate the economy, ruin everything, and not have the same feeling of victory for that winner. But the truth, of course, is that it is nonsensical. The kingdom of God is nonsense. That's the whole point. We can't comprehend this concept because it's something that only Jesus could ever possibly offer. It is beyond understanding. It is nonsense. To Jesus, 
Fairness is a grace that passes understanding, a grace that really is equal and really is available to every single person at every single time in every single place. No ifs, no buts, just pure, raw, nonsensical grace. So, sorry to the runners of the Squid Game and the VIPs, but the truth isn't that people are just capable of being good. It's that all people are worthy of grace. By the way, it actually seems pretty clear to me that the writer for this show is not a big fan of Christians. I'm going to assume that is because of the colonial Christian evangelists kind of invading South Korea, and I want to apologize for that, genuinely. I want to say that that is a fair judgment of the church, but that Jesus is so much better than the church has ever been. I am genuinely sorry for anyone who has ever been harmed by the church or the people within it. Moving on from that, what does this story actually mean for us today? Well, it's the greatest news that any of us could ever possibly hope to hear. Jesus is always available and grace is always open. It is never too late. You are never too bad or broken. It doesn't matter if it's 6 a.m. noon or 5 p.m. Jesus is that vineyard owner who will welcome you into the fold and treat you like you've been here the whole time. You are welcome. You are valued. You are needed. If you've never heard that from a pastor or a church before, shame on them. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are always welcome within the digital walls at Checkpoint Church. And 